Your style is so sick on your show that I'm like, is that how she really dresses? Or is that like just a really good stylist? Cause you know, you see some people and they're like, they're the tens and then they come out and you're like, okay, the way you just put together this athleisure is I know that you're getting way too styled well. But then when I see your room and your vibe, I'm like, wait, this is you, you are color. You are like energy and you are explosive. I see it. Thank you for thinking that everything you just said is a lie. What? This is the work office. The lady who does our sets and stuff designed this room because Ooh, I was so like, good. she was like, it looks really bad in there. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. So wait, so somebody put this, but then how come your outfit matches your goddamn wall? <laughs> it was an accident. This is a shirt I left in here because, oh, look, it's the, from our book. Ah! It's this <laughs> <laughs> it's the only almost nice shirt I have. It's a sweater. It's summertime. Oh my God. It's so, you know, but you look so, girl, your style and the way you wear color is so fly. I'm like into it. And you got a damn tree. Like you're popping. It's good. Everything's good. Yay. <laughs> How are you today? I'm pretty nice. Yeah. Today, a little bit fun. How's your day? Oh, I love that. Mine's amazing. Um, I... I was really looking forward to our interview, but even more than that, it's we're coming towards the weekend. Um, I feel good because the last few days I've been really kind of tired, but today I feel really good, which is good. I got great rest. And I'm just really looking forward to speaking with you. So I'm doing great. Yay, are you in your house? Yeah, so I'm in my house in Atlanta. And oh, Atlanta. where are you at right now? At the, um at Rockefeller Center in New York. Shoot, so you're in New York. Okay, so I just left there like two days ago when you guys had 92 degree weather, sis. Yo, I felt like I was walking between somebody's thighs for blocks. I was like, this is dank. I actually ran into a vintage store and I bought a $35 t-shirt. I was so mad about it. I was like, this should be 20. He was like, 35. I'm like, damn, I'm so desperate. Wow, I can't believe you guys are hotter than how we are out here. We're not even there yet. We're like maybe 78, 80. Yeah, I don't know how that day came out of nowhere and everyone freaking lost their minds. Yeah, I know, dude, were you outside? Yes, with my hands up. I'm gonna tell you that, you were not in the sweater. <laughs> I was not, I was not, I would have died. Okay, so let's get into this because I want to manage your time, obviously. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on me. I'll talk to you all day. Oh, no, all good. Same, same. I can be like that too. But Marav is on deck for us. And Marav, have, you've been recording. So actually, I think we can just jump into it. I got so much to celebrate with you, Amber, because it's very rare that like, it's very rare. Well, first of all, listen, honey, I'm so freaking hyped about today's guest because so, you know, obviously in these quarantine days, you'd be sitting there scrolling on the gram and every so often you'll like somebody, but does a like really turn into like an obsession? For me, it hasn't. I, I don't have that. I don't have something where I like somebody because I think, let's be real, Instagram is a highlight reel. So you can't really tell who somebody is or how real these one chosen edited posts are. Until you meet somebody where the consistency of dopeness, education, information, edutainment, everything combined, 
And on top of that, a sassy style, you're like, whoa, wait, hold on. I'm kind of high key obsessed right now. I'm beyond like now. I'm going to go into your DMs. I'm going to creep in on you. I'm going to hit you up and say, yo, Amber Ruffin, please, will you be on my podcast? And here she is. Yay! <laughs> Welcome, Amber Ruffin, to the show. Amber, hi. Thank you hi. for doing this with me. Hi, this is the best. I'm a huge fan. How fun is this? I, this is amazing. So thank you, first of all, for even saying that towards me. For you, I mean, you, you, your Amber Ruffin show, first of all, is something so brilliant from one talk show host to another. I'm floored with your production, your content. And I can sell, tell, obviously, that a lot of it comes from what you're truly passionate about. But besides that, you're a writer, you're an executive producer. Um, you obviously created your Amber Ruffin show on Peacock. And you're an Emmy-nominated writer and performer for Late Night with Seth Meyers. So getting his blessing is a whole thing. Not only that, sis, let's just talk about the fact that you can say you were the first ever African-American female to write for a late night network talk show here in the United States. Yeah. Wait, when That's you hear something like that, like I'm like... I don't think I'm the first Asian to do anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my, I, I, I'm trying to relate to that, but I can't. Like, I can't say, oh, I was the first Asian American who, I don't know, who developed, influenced, created. No, I'm just out here doing my thing. But when you're the first, do you feel a pressure having that title? Like, what does that mean for you? Um, It is cool. It's more like, oh, I'm the first to do it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Like several people drop the ball if it's not until 2014. Oh no. But it's very um cool. I think it's like a fun, nice honor. Yeah. That it is my job to destroy. Like I don't want anyone to ever have to be the first anything. It stinks. Because all that means is that you were lonely and black. <laughs> you know what I mean? Means when no other black people around. That's wow. not fun. <laughs> That's crazy. And you know, I, I do I do hear for me that, you know, when they're like, oh, you know, there's not many Asian Americans represented in TV, that to me actually it it makes me feel because I've heard it for so long and it's still now. Like I've been in TV for almost 15 years and still now there aren't enough representation. I mean, in period across the board, but especially, you know, in my field of TV and Asian Americans. And I'm like, it's lonely for me. It's not something I feel proud of because I'm like, that's sad. That's sad that it's been this long and we don't see representation for you when it comes to writers. Like how, how do you feel? Tell us because we don't know what it's like to go and audition or to get approved to get into a writer's room like do they check out your race when you when you are a writer and if they do like how, how do you feel that being a black woman has worked for or against you when you when you climbed up the ranks well they always check i'm sure if they didn't before uh, they do now mm. um because <laughs> now you um would hate to try to put together a show with just white men we would smell it coming a mile away. You wouldn't get very far with it. You really wouldn't. You can also tell, I bet I could ballpark everyone's number of minorities after watching a couple of their shows, for sure. I mean, you know what I mean. Wow, like, no, 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 you're right, you're right. Someone sends a, 
uh, um, s- someone sends like a, a black lady to bed and she just puts her head of hair down on her cotton pillowcase. You're like, well, You're like, okay. nah. we're missing so- a bonnet. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> there's no black women in this room. I know that. That's so interesting. Yeah. You can always ballpark it. But I think like I came at this a totally different way. Like I was a theater guy. Like I've always worked in sketch comedy, but it was for comedy theaters, never television until I got late night Seth. And then I only got late night Seth because he knew me from a theater we have in common called Boom Chicago, which is a theater in Amsterdam, a comedy theater. So he knows once you can do Boom Chicago, it's a very tough <laughs> place to come up. So he's like, oh, if you could do that, you can certainly do this show. And he's right. This is, I mean, once you start writing from having to perform and especially improvise every single night, buddy, I get to sit here. I get a whole day to think of a list of jokes instead of one instant you know someone shouts out lemon and I have to sing a song about it immediately (laughs) there's none of that I get a whole week to come up with stuff it's truly the best it's the best okay so I'm trying to put myself in your shoes because I can relate a bit on being on camera and being a television host but girl you have a whole different situation because I have three other women to play off of so on days where many times I'm not feeling it and I'm like, oh, I hope you're going to take on this topic because I really could care less. You don't have that. Like you got to look as engaged and as popping and as informed about it. So for you going from behind the scenes and then now on camera and having to hold the energy and hold the audience and also write your scripts and like, what, what is that like for you? And are you tired? <laughs> I bet I am a little, but you know, we get to dictate what is on the show. Like every once in a while, a week will go by and I'll be like, we should have talked about ABC, but I want to. So we don't have to, you know what I mean? Like no one's there to go, hey, we have to have a take on blah, blah, blah. No one, it's me. And I'm like, who who gives a fart? I want to do the funniest stuff. And sometimes will write a bit about the most pressing news of the day. And it's just not as funny mm. as something that's a lesser news story or maybe not a news story at all. And we'll have to go with the other one because funny is first, mm. everything else is second. I guess that's a lie. People's feelings are first, funny is second, I think. Whoa, wait, hold on. I would never have thought that would be a rule in comedy. It's absolutely not. <laughs> ah, okay, no, yeah, no, you're right. Different comics have different stances on that. I've heard from some of my comic friends, they're like, the second you start thinking about the way a person feels, you're out. Your material's tainted. It's like, you know, but then, but then there's a responsibility, right? There's a certain, there's a certain responsibility to what kind of image and bias you portray when you start making jokes about certain things so you're right if you if you want to be responsible you also have to care so where do you find the balance i am extremely unbalanced all i want to do is create the most inclusive place i don't want anyone to turn on the tv like i turn on the tv 
when I see Bill Maher, you know, like I don't want that relationship with anyone you know, except, except maybe people who are racist. I, I love that relationship with them that I love it. But like if someone is different than me in any way, I want them to turn on the TV and be like, oh, thank God. Here's this place where, you know, no one makes fun of what I am and how I was born and, you know, the human being I am like I want that first like if we have that and we have no laughs too bad because that's what I'd rather but hopefully we can get that done and have a lot of laughs I just want to create a nice place like you know how you watch a comedy show and after it you laugh and and like you have laughed and you feel like calmer and happier like I want that but I want to do that on purpose you know I want to be very purposeful about it I want to get into what's maybe bothering you try to wipe it out and then also have other fun you know that's so dope actually what you said is so refreshingly clear and makes complete sense and you're reminding me nostalgically of all the things that I did really love to watch whether I related it whether I related to it directly or not, you pull from it and then it adds to your own kind of personality and you find ways to laugh about it because it triggers you in a great way. You know, the way you just described though, how you want a viewer to kind of pass by, turn you on and go, wait, hold on, I'm pulled into this because I feel included. Then I got to share with my Listen Honey fans about how I found Amber in the first place. So I was on the gram and I already started noticing you for your style. And the thing is, I'm on a talk show where I'm not supposed to be on Instagram, but I'm going to be real, like between commercial breaks and stuff, I'm constantly scrolling, but I visually scroll. I don't really see, you know, and I would always notice, let's talk first off of Amber's fits, because she's always like popping patterns, like hair, makeup, earrings, everything to the down was like to the toes. It was just like fully ensembled. It was so good. And then there was a particular post that you put up and it really hit me. And it was about um, Asian crimes and the racism against Asian Americans. And I was like, wait, hold on. This is new to me because at the time, first of all, you were one of the first to speak on it when it was really, really, I mean, around the Atlanta shooting time. And it's been, you know, for for many who know, it's been terrible and has only worsened since um, 2020 and since the rhetoric of Trump in office and and has only worsened now. And it's actually opened up a lot of things that, that I wanted to talk to you about. But the one thing that you had done so eloquently and so gently, but very firm and in your face was you spoke about the crime, but you also made it so humorous and and did a little bit of a one, two slap on the racists out there. And I took the link and I shared it on my group chat and on my group chat is kind of a, a supportive group of the Daniel Day Kims, Lisa Ling, Prabal Gurung, um, Jose Vargas, Pulitzer Prize winning artist, author, author, and just people that are just influential but have sat here kind of like in our own little bubble of like what's happening and we don't know what to do, you know? Um, and there was, and here's a strong black voice, a female who is speaking on behalf of this. and. I was also off the heels of just thanking Ava DuVernay and Dr. Bernice King and these other amazing strong black women who have also, you know, said something about it. And I was like, why did Amber do this? Like, I, I just was shocked. And so all of us went to your page and we were just like sharing and posting and, and, and tagging it up. 
And you have a whole slew of fans out there in New York, actually, if you ever, I, I'm serious, like if you ever have a free time, which you probably don't, I have a long list of people that would love this time with you too. But Amber, why did you do that? You already have so much on your plate. And obviously we all know what we should be fighting for and with when it comes to Black Lives Matter. But then you took this on and you actually put your neck out there and spoke for this too. Why? Well, it, first off, I did it because I know exactly what the feeling is and I hate it. You, you know, like I, I know what that hurt is. I also have it. And now like a whole new group of people have to feel this, like that sucks so bad. And I just thought like, this is a gross thing I will say, like to be a black woman is to suffer a special kind of suffering, but maybe there is a quantum of solace in the fact that you are alone and no one else has to deal with this. You know what I mean? I do. And then to break that open, like that was the like sick, weird, sad part that I took comfort in. Now we got to have company over here. That sucks. So yes, I was just, I guess, I guess extremely angry. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want company here. I want to meet you where the good times are and have good times with you, but you got to be over here having a bad time with me. That sucks. But also it's absolutely not sticking my neck out in the tiniest bit. I'm over here like, all day and night, like fuck a racist. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, know, right, so right, right. that is that. Right. If they hated me before, they did they they still do. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like also anyone who that turned off, I I didn't like them. I yeah. probably didn't like who they are as a human being. And wow. I hope they never watch my show. <laughs> right, right. Girl, right there, that type of power though. Man, that's crazy that you're saying that because I, it's crazy, but it's not. It's like, I understand it, but I think it's, I just never knew somebody else who's also the face of the show is so bold enough to say it because I live in a world where I'm not only appeasing, I'm not only being Jeannie Mai, but I'm also representing, um, and I'm also representing Fox, right? And then I also... And representing brands that have paid me to sponsor, endorse, and wear their things proudly. So I've got, you know, so every time I do post something, I do have to think like, even if it's a joke that's harmless, but it's dirty. Let's say if I'm like hashtag thought life or something. Yeah. Already I gotta think about like the family brands over here that's like thought, like, are we really wanting to be that hoe over there? Like whatever it is, I've got to think that way. But to hear you so refreshingly say like off the bat, you know, I want to be so outrageously me and in such a space of love that if you ain't that, like I want to offend you and get off my turf, like do not be here, go far away. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and actually that is how you teach a network to move like you. Because if you actually come creeping in afraid and dotting all the I's and crossing the T's and asking them too much of like, what's okay to do, then when you do do something that might blow waters, right? Cause that could maybe piss off somebody who's just like slightly racist, but more Republican or more, you know, you know, it might be like, they're like, do we have to blow out everybody by being so overtly anti that? And you're like, yes, yes, we do. Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting way of how the world should be now yeah. when it comes to accountability. 
Yeah, that's right. I, I 1000% believe, gosh, I guess saying it out loud makes it, yeah, but I mean, people are talking about like rid, building bridges and stuff and yeah. no, thank you. I don't want you to be able to get over here. Why do I want to build a bridge to you? What are we doing? I mean, I got little black children over here. You can't be over here. Talk about, I mean, you know what I mean? But also I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. So I've literally had these talks face to face with little, you know, um, uh, uh, people that I know. I've had to be like, you can't come to my mom and dad's house for the 4th of July. I can't have you around my mom and dad. You say crazy stuff. God forbid you say something racist to one of these black children right around here. Wow. I'd have to punch you in the eye. <laughs> All right. You can't come over. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like saying that to someone like I know is as bad as it gets. Saying yeah. that in general to you know people I'm never going to see doesn't really feel like anything. God, that's so good. That's 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 so true and so evident in your work, like very clearly across the board. Um, you know, I'll say that I have thought about like, what would it be if I had to have like, you know, like you have like brand names and like a whole network and to be on in the daytime, Boom. you know, yeah. like, I can't imagine what would be able to fly and what wouldn't, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. You know, and I'll tell you, it's kind of crazy how much I'm watching times changing, but it's also, you can't really blame that, or you can't um, give credit to the time because it also starts with your, your positioning and how you come into things. When we were first on the air, I mean, we've been on for eight seasons now, right? Eight, including the test, so seven technically. So in the beginning, we couldn't talk too strongly in political favor of one or the other because a lot of Fox viewers are Republicans and a lot of us were Democrats and we, or liberals and we, we just, you know, our opinion would very clearly. And so we were actually cautioned to not like, okay, let's not, you know. And then even when Trump was in reign, like there were very obvious um, um, disgusted things that I wanted to say about what I thought about our president. But I was told, you know, like pulled aside, like do not say these things because you're gonna blow out our viewers. and. You're right when it comes to like, it's just giving me, it's, it's actually, I'm saying this for my fans out there to know that if you are creating something and if you plan to be the most authentic and the most groundbreaking when it comes to that truth, you've got to be unapologetically you and then just move in that way. And the people that will accept you will make room for that. The people who will understand it because the ones that will be afraid and kind of like, oh, I don't know, she's offensive. She's, you know, is, are, they're going to fall wayside and you're going to find the right home. And I feel like that's you being on unapologetically you had to get you to where you are right now with Peacock. Um, I like to think that that may be true, but you know what I like, my thing is, get this paycheck and then worry about it you get paid you eat you get that house make sure mommy and daddy are fed then just try to ruffle feathers like but honestly because i do comedy i've never really had to worry about anything you know it, everything coincided at the right time yeah you know i was not politically minded in the tiniest way and then trump happened and then i had to be to be a human being on earth. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that, like, so that it just came to be that way. 
But up until then, I wasn't like oh, very much of an activist at all. Yeah. So I just accidentally was like um, um, chill and with everything and didn't ruffle any feathers just because that was who I was. Yeah. And, and just the second I got enough power, it was fine to be like, F everybody, you know? <laughs> so I really like that. So I do not try to be like, you know, blow everything up and whatever. But if you can blow everything up, freaking do it. Who, who cares? Tell the truth and shame the devil. But if you can't, let's eat. Yeah, you know what I mean? Let's eat dinner. I I love that. No, I get it. When you said tell the truth is shame the devil, randomly, I don't know why. I, no, I know why, because I've never heard anybody name this, but I saw your full name on, on something I was reading about you. You're the only person in my life I know that has the name Mildred. Hey, yeah. Amber Mildred Ruffin. How did you score that vintage ass name, girl? Because that quote also came from Mildred. <laughs> yes. Um, I, you know what the trend is? This is kind of a boring fact, but uh, I, I was named after my uh, godmother, but that's how names go in uh, Black English names. Like a million years ago, mm-hmm. Black people were like, this is a fancy American name. Yeah. And it, that was yeah. after white people had played it out. You know what I mean? So black people are at the tail end of all name trends, white name trends. Okay. Our own names are fantastic. But that's why I'm a Mildred because even though it's a 200 year old name probably, because at the end of white people using it, my black godmother's mother was like oh what a fancy name and then she had it and then my mom at the end of amber because i'm a very old amber or a very young amber old amber Amber. (laughs) then when that was when amber was its least popular then my mom was like oh amber you know what i mean yeah i totally get it yeah there's a whole, there's a lot of black people with very, very old names because that's just the way the trend falls with us. Isn't that yeah. odd? No, I get it. I totally what an unfun fact. No, it, but it, but it's dope though. It's dope and I totally make sense. So that's why when I'm like, when I hear you and then you spit this wisdom here and there and I'm like, that's, that's, that's where, because you have to be, if you're named Mildred, you got to have a couple of, you know what I mean? Like you can't, I know what Mildred is not. <laughs> I know what Mildred is like a lot of my friends on my call log like I'm like you're not a Mildred <laughs> but like you when you when you drop that knowledge I'm like oh my god she really is the Mildred like it's just I'm Mildred know. for sure um, like there's old candy in my purse for sure yes yes <laughs> <laughs> or like there's gotta be nights where you are so goddamn tired you don't you could not care less you definitely have your pull your pants pulled up to your tits like just like all the way up, like just lounging, like you're definitely. <laughs> yes, for sure. I, it, it feels right. Yeah, <laughs> I know I do it. I know. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Well, Amber, okay. So last question. Um, and the reason why I asked this is kind of because of the way that I met you and I feel so comfortable to be able to ask you in this. And also 
something so beautiful that you said, because even though I'll never, ever, ever begin to experience what it's like to be in your shoes, the fact that you even said like, oh my God, it sucks to be over here, you know, with us or to feel this type of oppression or, or hate. And, you know, Asian Americans, um, it's never, it's never, ever, ever a focus uh, or a, even something that we would think of to compare struggles because we could never compare to the black, um, to the black perspective in the black life, especially of a black woman. But at the same time, it's so disheartening every day to see these heinous and vicious and, and inhumane crimes that are happening and for them to be race related. And so, yes, I am talking about crimes against Asian Americans. And then I'm also talking about crazy alarming news where I'm even like, what the fuck? This is, this is atrocious and embarrassing. The one thing that I've noticed when it comes to the rise of anti-Asian hate is this underlining tension that has always existed between black and Asian cultures. And it's, whether it's because, you know, both have coexisted in, in same neighborhoods, trying to do the come up, the model minority myth that has always kind of existed where Asians for the very wrong reasons have stayed quiet and have its student solidarity or for themselves or for others the way they should have. And then now it's kind of bringing that, you, I feel like we have two distinct generations. One that is, you know, more, I guess, along the, the Asian American speaking ones, the ones that speak English, understand that obviously racism is whack as fuck and, and terrible and affects everybody. And we stand in solidarity with one another. And then you have the older generation that kind of keeps to themselves and is like, I can't worry about you. Like you got your own problems and they mind their business. They look the other way and it's terrible as well. What do you have to say when it comes to, when it comes to minorities and, and like, like there's kind of a, a, a thing out there where some people think I don't have to stand up for you at all because that's your own problem. And because I don't see you guys standing up for me like that, that whole mindset. And for me, obviously I know that that's not true because not only am I standing in solidarity with obviously the, with not just the black community but with any minority group that's being attacked especially in this country that's supposed to be a country of freedom and equality. But I also know that there are Asian people who don't understand. I'd see them not even speaking up for themselves. So I know they're not standing up for other groups the way they should be. You know, so when, so as, as a person from a different race, like how, what do you say to people who believe that, who believe like, no, like I'm going to sit over here and fight for my struggle and you got to do, figure out yours. And I'm, I'm, we're not responsible for each other's demise. Yeah. I mean, I look at it like this. It's like if you could see oppression, everyone's behavior would make sense. If we were all locked in a scary man's basement and we were doing what we had to do to get fed, I wouldn't be like, how dare she, you know, uh, uh, even talk to the guy who's holding us all hostage in here. How dare you? You know, you know. I, I would be like, she has figured out a way to survive and good for her. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Because people are dealing with an active daily trauma and how they choose to navigate it, mm, you know, because you can really see it in our parents' 
like I can really see it in grandparents because they uh, comply and they don't make a fuss. And I'm like, well, if I make a fuss, maybe I'll lose a friend or two. If grandma, grandpa made a fuss, they would be hung. That's a big gap, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So when people uh, behave differently, I go, well, there's gotta be a million things behind it. You know what I mean? And especially when people are like, well, I won't stand up for them. They don't stand up for me. I'm like, well, you're probably in that place where you have pushed your family and friends as far left as you can. You've counted it a win and you've stopped, you know, yeah. like fortunately for me, I don't have that. I could press these people left all day and night. They would love it. I don't, I'm not, in, you know, I don't work at like a office where I have to please a lot of people. Everybody in this building is a dang liberal. I don't have to do nothing. I can say what I want. I can feel how I want. But can you imagine if you had that and you had pressed and pressed and pressed, you know, like if you, your freaking uh, parents, some people were in internment camps and then Right. You had to ask them to be like, now look at these people. Now look at this. They'd be yeah. like, buddy, I survived already. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. Um, but that is a favorite thing I like to say is all I have to do is stay black and die. That's it. <laughs> that's what that's what old people named Mildred say. But I have to. All I have to do is stay black and die. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like everyone if you call it trauma and you look at it like trauma i i can't help but to be like great please handle everything the way you can handle it i'm just yeah. lucky that I, I can uh handle a, quite a few things because because i have such a crazy liberal support system yeah so we have room over here but other people don't have room and that's okay maybe they will get room yeah and that and goes maybe, back to what you said about that bridge too about like part of the reason why you have room and fresh room that gives everybody room to stretch and be themselves is because you barricade that bridge with yep. people who make sense and you want them to be here and commingle with the kids and the others that are like a part of this, this deserving space. Yeah, it's safe over here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. Oh my gosh, Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. You are so dope. I'm <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Are you ever in LA? Um, every once in a while, I'm in LA. Okay, will you promise, please, to call me when you're in Atlanta or LA? I'm going to drop my number in your DM because I just feel like that's a good place for it to land. Yay. And then, like, I want to take you out. Promise me. I'm having that, like, on recording because I want to make sure that you let me do that. Okay, but when you get me out, you're going to see that I'm a raggedy dresser <laughs> you were okay first of all well then you keep getting style with your fancy self and looking dope because if if and my assistant is actually on the line so you can hear this secretly so am i i actually <laughs> like i do all this for the gram but behind closed doors like i could not put on a bra unless you're paying and no really if unless i'm getting paid i'm not putting on a bra and i also really really have been loving spandex and, and sweats way too much like it's a whole 
So let's promise that when we do hang out, we get to look like that. And I, I will be so comfortable. Oh, oh my too. gosh. Yeah. I'm going to take pictures. You're going to be sad. Oh, good. I'm ready. I'm so ready for it. <laughs> Amber, you're amazing. Tell me, tell my fans where they can follow you, support you. And I know also you're on an Emmy, um, an Ellie, Emmy app. I'm sorry. You're on an Emmy applicable show. Is that kind yeah. of the right way to show, say it? So yeah. how does one, because you have to be in the union to support and vote, but how do we support the Amber Ruffin show and get it towards its Emmy and, and, and to just be behind your, your whole movement. I, I mean, I, I, you can, I'm on Twitter, Amber M Ruffin, maybe it's my name. I'm on um, Instagram, but frankly, I'm really on Twitter all of the time. Um, you can tweet about the show, the Amber Ruffin show. It's available on Peacock Good Fridays at nine. Um, I freaking, I have a book. I wrote a book with my sister called You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism. We're a New York Times bestseller. Girl, we are doing it. I just knocked over some strawberries. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that. I love you. This is great. Okay, great. But I didn't know about the book. So thank you for telling me because I'm gonna get that book. And to all my fans out there, please do tweet, hit up and also on Instagram. Amber's also on Instagram. So hit her up on Instagram as well. I'm gonna put all her links here below so that you can buy her book, tweet and make sure to just like, like, like and send her so much love. Amber, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to hang out with you soon. Listen, honeys. Thank you. <laughs> You are so cute. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to hang out and it's going to be fun.